0: Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew, featuring Peter and David Go.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your co-host Peter Go, alongside our co-host David Go here today, and excited to cover uh, some some interesting thoughts on arbitration. Um, you know, the the non-tender deadline coming up here December 2nd uh, at 7 p.m. Actually, if you're, if you're wondering, it's at 7. But December 2nd uh, being the date of uh, deadline. So covering some of that as well as looking at who are some of the players that the Brewers have already committed to next year. Um, there's actually not very many of them, uh, but we'll get to that later. Uh, David, any thoughts uh, or anything to share before I get to today's trivia question?
0: Well, I think there's a lot to cover and we don't really know exactly how the offseason is going to shake up. It's going to look a little bit interesting this year. Uh, We do know that a lot of teams are going to slash payroll, and I think the Brewers are probably included in that. So there is, I would say, going to be a lot of turnover and a lot of moves most likely that it will happen for the Brewers this offseason.
1: Yeah, I certainly agree. I think it's likely that we'll see it across the league, but Brewers are also likely to do it, given, of course, the smaller market size uh, the Brewers have, unfortunately. It's also going to be interesting to see You know as teams cut players if there are some potential steals out there too i could even see the brewers keeping a lower payroll than expected in hopes of maybe trying to find a steal out there because maybe you can find a guy at a better discount this year i guess than uh, another year with teams in general looking to slash payrolls but certainly we'll see what stearns and uh, newly assigned general manager matt arnold will be up to this offseason and before we get into that more uh, today's trivia question uh, sent in from a listener uh andrew you can always feel free to go on twitter at brewers podcast share a trivia question that we can share on the podcast see if we can stump david on it but today's trivia question again brought to you by andrew here who was the nl starting pitcher for the 2002 all-star game hosted at miller park So be thinking about that one who was the nl all-star game starter in the 2002 all-star game hosted at our very own miller park Uh, if if you remember miller park was where the what it used to be called where the brewers played all right so like i said moving on towards the non-tender deadline which is coming up december 2nd uh some interesting and really a lot of a lot of players uh eligible for this but really before we get into that david can you just explain for those that aren't familiar with this process? what the process is uh, for the Brewers, and then we can get into the players that are eligible for this. Mm
0: -hmm. It's a a little bit of an interesting and kind of complex process. So it involves players who have been in the major leagues for between three and six years. uh, And so they're no longer making close to the major league minimum, but they also haven't been exposed to free agency yet. Um, or at least the traditional form of free agency uh, that you kind of earn the right to after playing a certain number of years. So these are guys who they are locked up with their teams if they do want to keep them, uh, but they do have some say in how much money they make. So if a team tenders a contract uh, to an arbitration-eligible player, that means that uh, that the team would like to keep them. And then after that, they negotiate on a contract. Um, and if they aren't able to come to an agreement in negotiations, they each present a figure before an arbitrator and the arbitrator decides uh, which which figure is uh, the more proper amount for the player to earn that upcoming year. So we have seen the Brewers take a few guys to arbitration lately. Chase Anderson is, uh, is the most notable one that I can think of recently. Even Josh Hader actually last year to um so we we do see that is it's becoming more common uh, but uh non tender deadline indicates that teams must decide whether or not they will tender a contract to the player we we likely will see the brewers cut loose a couple guys on the fringes in reality this week just since that's kind of how the business goes and that's kind of how arbitration works
1: yeah before we get into some of those potential players the brewers may choose to let go there are a couple Uh, more notable names you mentioned the Brewers going to arbitration last year with Josh Hader Uh, Hader is in this uh, similar spot again uh, like you said given that he's been in the league for between three and six years Uh, Josh Hader is eligible Corey Knable even shortstop Orlando Arcia what are your thoughts on um, potential players that you that you you know obviously Josh Hader but that you know the Brewers are for sure going to tender a contract and will ultimately keep and who are some of the players that maybe you think the Brewers will decide to part ways with
0: The only two that I would say in full confidence the Brewers will keep are Josh Hader and Brandon Woodruff. I'd be very surprised if they non-tendered both Omar Narvaez and Manny Pena. I I could easily see them keeping both. I think that that's actually the most likely scenario, but I also could see them uh, cutting loose one of them. Uh, And it'll be interesting kind of to see uh, what they decide to do with, with that situation. They do have Nottingham, who I think is a capable backup at this point. Omar Narvaez, of course, was horrible last year, uh, but it was a shortened season, and beyond being shortened, it was uh, very, very strange. Uh, wasn't really able to get going, uh, and Manny Pina was very productive in his limited time, uh, but this is also his last year before free agency. Maybe they decide to tender both of them contracts and perhaps trade Manny Pina. Um, I think that that is an option. I think that they will decide to keep Orlando Arcia, uh, but I do think that Alex Claudio, Ben Gamble, Jace Peterson, and Daniel Vogelbach will all be non-tendered if I were uh, to estimate what will happen.
1: Surprising to me, um, of course, you know, Gamble primarily a depth outfielder. Claudio has been all right, uh, lefty out of the pen, Uh, and Peterson, of course, not making much of an impact. But Dan Vogelbach is an interesting one, kind of a unique situation. As I'm sure Brewer fans remember, Vogelbach coming in don't know was about midway through the shortened season so a really shortened season for Vogelbach here in Milwaukee but of course he did play well uh do you think that the price tag on Vogelbach's uh, estimate of around one and a half million is just too big of a price tag that the Brewers are willing to pay especially not knowing whether or not they will have a DH next year
0: I think that's the big wild card is whether or not they'll have a DH he was actually an all-star in 2019 but really since then until he arrived with the Brewers he was horrible. He was basically unplayable. And the, the thing with Vogelbach that's a lot different with some of the other guys like Gamel or even a guy like Lorenzo Cain, he doesn't really produce anywhere else but with the bat. So Vogelbach's not hitting. He really doesn't pr- provide any value. Uh, he doesn't provide really any value with the glove. Uh, even at first base, a uh, relatively easy position re- compared to other positions in the major leagues. Uh, so the big wild card, yeah, is that whether or not the DH will uh, be kept in the NL. There's a chance that that the organizations know uh, whether or not there will be a DH this year and we just don't know it. But I do think that's unlikely and it seems kind of unclear still at this point.
1: Yeah, MLB certainly hasn't made it clear one way or the other. And personally, I think, like you said, he's a one-way player. If the Brewers don't have a DH spot, I don't see a reason to to hold a spot on the roster for Vogelbach and to be paying him, frankly, this year. But if there is a DH and the Brewers are already seem to be presuming Ryan Braun will not be back next year, I like the idea of bringing Vogelbach to man that DH role for at least part of the time. I mean, probably a mix like we saw with Kesson here getting some time there. Uh, as well as Yelich and just moving guys around to get them off their feet a little bit. Uh, But it does seem likely, I don't know, this is maybe just what I'm seeing or hearing from fans, um, but it seems likely that, you know, the DH, of course, has been talked about for years, for decades in baseball. And it seems like they may have hit a turning point where uh, they finally will choose to have a DH universally in the major leagues. And if that is the case, personally, I would be a proponent of bringing back Vogelbach, even if it is around one and a half million.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, the only thing is, yeah, do they know that? And do they think that it's worth it to take that gamble? And I'm not sure. The Brewers haven't really been prone to take gambles like that, even on salaries as low as about $1.5 um, I really, I, I don't know. I know Keith Law was saying that uh, NL executives a couple weeks ago seemed skeptical that there would be a DH. Um, there were some other reporters. I think Phil Rogers was one of them a little bit before that said that it seemed likely that we will have a DH in 2021 it seems extremely likely that in 2022 we'll have a dh in the national league Uh, the the collective bargaining agreement expires after next season uh, which it does actually leave the possibility of a lockout or a player strike Uh, but we'll get there if if that happens Uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it Uh, but one of the things that could be discussed in the collective bargaining agreement is whether or not there's a dh in general the players are in favor of that it provides uh, 15 more opportunities for aging veterans or guys who are more one-dimensional. And then also pitchers don't really like hitting for the most part at this point. They'd rather focus on their pitching and pitchers have gotten worse at hitting over the years since they've become more and more of exclusively pitchers. So I think that it's likely we'll see that in two years. Will we see it this year? I really don't know, but that's probably what will decide whether or not the Brewers keep
1: Dan Vogelbach? Certainly, I would agree with with you on that. Um, Probably not worth the risk. If we're already talking about whether or not it's worth keeping Vogelbach, if we're still unsure of whether the DH is going to be here this year, I I would agree with you that the risk is probably not worth it for a guy like Vogelbach. You mentioned Arcia as you think that the Brewers ultimately will decide to keep Orlando Arcia. Um, Do you think, I mean, you said you think they will, but would you, uh, if you were given the choice to keep Arcia here?
0: I would. He looked considerably better with the bat last year, and I thought that that was enough uh, to give me some optimism. His, his glove's kind of been up and down, actually, over the last couple of years. But I think that the talent is in there for him to be uh, at least an above-average defensive shortstop, which is a pretty valuable player, especially if he can hit uh, like about an average hitter like he did this year. And I think, that, I think that he, at least going forward, will be at least a serviceable starting shortstop, like maybe a guy who produces about 1.5 wins above replacement, even if they don't give the starting shortstop job to him and Luis Urias, or perhaps another option uh, that they find elsewhere, takes over at shortstop, I think Arcia can still provide value, maybe at second base, maybe a little bit in the corner outfield spots, um, or third base, even more in a utility role. Uh, but I do think that it's worth keeping him for $2.8 million. I think the Brewers still do have some faith in Arcia to be a, a solid, productive, everyday player.
1: Yeah, I would I would generally agree as well. I think the price tag would be worth it. Um, looked a little bit better this year. Hopefully, he can build on that, um, gain a little bit more consistency, like you said on the defensive side. Uh, Luis, excuse me, Luis Urias was also not ultra impressive this year. Of course, again, shortened season, but nonetheless. He didn't exactly shine uh, besides the first couple of games that he was up. So I think that also bodes well for RC's chances to stay with the Brewers and likely hold that starting shortstop role, at least at the start of next year. One other arm I do want to talk about uh, before we move on is Corey Knable. Um, we talked about Josh Hader being eligible, and Brewers uh, for sure going to be choosing to keep Hader. Uh, but Knable's at a similar price as Hader, of course, has been less productive, um, has also dealt with injuries. What are your thoughts on uh, whether you would bring Corey Knable back for 2021?
0: I would like to see them bring back Knable. He'll come out of probably around $5 million. This is his last year before free agency. But I think that when we saw Knable return um, after a stint on the injured list, he looked considerably better. He looked like the Corey Knable of old. He even flashed a change up a little bit that could end up uh, proving to be maybe the difference of a, a good reliever to a great reliever. And I know that they already have a lot of great options in the bullpen. Uh, we've kind of covered that some, but Hayter, of course, Devin Williams, Peralta, and Suter. Uh, but I think adding Canable to that takes that next step of the Brewers' bullpen from being very good to perhaps even maybe the best bullpen in baseball and one that could carry them back to the postseason.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say. You you mentioned, of course, uh, the big names in the Brewers' bullpen. A very good bullpen, nonetheless, whether or not Canable is there. But if you get a, a good Canable back, I mean... Think back to the Brewers' bullpen when it was Jeffress, Knebel, and Hader. I, I would take the Brewers' bullpen next year over that year. And, and really, if if Knebel is um, at least similar to what he's shown in the past, I think you can make the argument that the Brewers have not only the best bullpen, but also potentially the most versatile with Peralta and Suter as well, being able to bridge the gap in those middle innings and get to the lockdown relievers of, of Hader and Williams and potentially Corey Knebel.
0: Yeah, I would I – would really bank on the bullpen, depend on the bullpen next year. I think it will be more interesting to see how they work, Woodruff and Burns, because this is the first time that the Brewers look like they have two really good starting pitchers at the top of their rotation. Uh, maybe since we thought what was going to happen with CC and Sheets for a little bit in 08, or maybe with even Grinky and Gallardo in 2011, yeah. that might be the closest comparison. But I think that the bullpen will be, yeah, what carries them and if they get into the postseason, when you have a bullpen like that, that can carry you in um, through playoff rounds even uh, more so than just um, just to the postseason.
1: Yeah, bullpen's super important in the playoffs, no doubt about that. And Brewers coming in with two top starting pitching arms, like you said, uh, unlike they have in the past, really. Um, but it's also – the bullpen's also, also very important with guys like Lynn Bloom uh, potentially Eric Lauer in the rotation – Some of those guys who they're not really nowadays going out and expecting six, seven innings from those guys. A lot of times you're really hoping for, you know, the five innings, two runs sort of thing. And you can hand the ball off to Suter or Peralta to take it uh, to the back end guys. So certainly Brewers bullpen should be their strength next year. And it certainly will be interesting to see whether Corey Knable will be a part of that next year. So moving over, we talked about uh, some potential question marks on the Brewers payroll going into next year. But a couple guaranteed guys that we know going in. First off, uh, the Brewers' actually highest-paid player next year, Lorenzo Cain, who we unfortunately did not see uh, this year. Cain, of course, opting out of the season. Cain is due to receive $16 million next year. Uh, similarly, Christian Yelich, of course, signing the big extension with the Brewers uh, last offseason. He's set to make $14 million next year. Um, and then another outfielder, Abisayel Garcia, uh, just short of $11 million guaranteed for him. So... Um, Around $40 million tied up between Kane, Yelich, and Garcia uh, next year. Any thoughts on um, some of those guys, uh, as well as the sort of lack of um, guaranteed contracts that the Brewers have going into the season?
0: It's, I would say it's, it's kind of an unconventional roster construction based on the payroll. But I think that the Brewers can make it work. Of course, Yelich is well worth his $14 million salary. I think that Kane is worth a $16 million salary, even on a cash-strapped Brewers team. Kane's the anchor of the defense; uh, should be leading off again this year. And I think I think that he's he was a big, big component that they were missing last year.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see Kane back again in the Brewers uniform. Uh, definitely felt like I missed him this year. And I agree, $16 million for Kane. Um, I think I think that is still well worth it. Uh, both sides of the ball, like you mentioned, and excited to see Kane back next year. Uh, And obviously Garcia uh, due to make around $11 Garcia had an okay year this year, um, unfortunately having to primarily man center field with Kane gone. Uh, Do you see Garcia as somebody who is worth his contract next year? I think for most
0: teams he would be. I actually don't think he's worth his contract with the Brewers. But I I don't think that there's necessarily reason to believe that it's like such a waste or like it'll considerably hamper down the Brewers. Uh, It's only 11 million and he is still about an average player, kind of just a a boring player. And when you look at the fact that he is a third highest player on their roster, I think that that also kind of puts things in perspective uh, with how the Brewers are right now with their payroll and with the money that they do have.
1: Yeah, we hear David Stearns, of course, talk about the young, controllable talent that we kind of joke about, uh, one of his f- uh, favorite phrases that he has. Uh, but certainly that's what we're seeing across uh, the, the roster, really, with a lot of those younger guys. They're not so much in the stage where they're really young, but some of those fifth and sixth years guys like uh, Josh Hader, Corey Knable, even Arcia, again, eligible for arbitration, um, and really, that's what's uh, giving the Brewers the opportunity to keep their payroll low, still have guys like Brandon Woodruff and Josh Hader, uh, while still being able to, you know, sign, of course, Yalis to the big extension, and potentially prepare for and make decisions on, you know, potential future contracts uh, with guys like Brandon Woodruff, Josh Hader. Uh, big decision coming up with Josh Hader and what the Brewers decide to do. Uh, but nonetheless, three, three, top three paid players going to next year. Uh, all outfielders, and then really just three other players uh, with guaranteed contracts next year: uh, Josh Lindblom, Brent Suter, and Freddie Peralta. I'm assuming you're going to go with yes on uh, all of them being worth it, given that Lindblom is uh, three million, Suter one and a half, and Peralta one point two three. I think there's a lot of value in that.
0: Yeah, I would. I would certainly say that they're all well worth it. Peralta and Suter, big. Uh, big factors in the bullpen we were talking about the bullpen uh, just moments ago and I think Lindblom is is really better uh, than how he pitched this year and he is I would say a solid mid to back rotation starter uh, for the Brewers this year uh, and so I think uh, that the three million is well worth it they have him locked up again for the following year Freddie Peralta is locked up long term also and so uh, I think it's it's kind of interesting to see yeah they're they only have six contracts that are guaranteed at this point, Three of them low-cost pitchers and three of them relatively high-priced outfielders.
1: Yeah, it is an interesting roster construction. With the Brewers having locked up Christian Jalic and Freddie Peralta most recently, who do you see as the Brewers' next potential extension uh, that they offer, be it Josh Hader, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, or someone else?
0: I think that Woodruff is the most likely. I, w- I would hope to see it be him or Burns. I think we could see it be either of them, although Woodruff is a little bit more advanced in his career and is a little bit closer to free agency than Corbin Burns. So I think that's why it might be a little bit more likely to be him than Burns. Uh, But I would be very happy if they were able to lock up either of those guys. Keston here is also someone that we're kind of forgetting to mention right now. He's kind of lost in the plan since we know that he'll be there at second base. But we also don't really know exactly what kind of Keston here we are going to see. They could lock him up, although I don't know... If this is the offseason to do it, Uh, there are kind of a lot of question marks around him right now. I feel pretty confident he'll bounce back some, but what kind of player will they be getting? I'm not sure, and I don't know if it's worth locking up a guy that you don't really know what you're going to get going forward.
1: I I certainly would agree with you on that. Um, Too many question marks, I think, with uh, with Hira, and even Burns for that matter. I I think for it to be a win-win contract extension, I think both sides of the party would probably want a little bit more certainty. So I would agree, probably Woodruff makes the most sense. And it'll be interesting to see if the Brewers are able to swing that, um, not necessarily this offseason, but before, of course, they lose control of Woodruff. So just a couple things to keep in mind. Again, the the non-tender deadline coming up uh, December 2nd. And a couple notable players there, Josh Hader, Corey Canable, Orlando Arcea, and a slew of other players. And then, like we said, Brewers only with six guaranteed contracts going into next year. Kane, Yelich, and Garcia in the outfield. Uh, and then three arms, Lindblom, Suter, and Peralta. So before we head out today, David, uh, why don't you cover today's random player of the day? Today. Today's
0: random player of the day, Jim Henderson, a name that probably most of you remember from his short stint with the Brewers just about six, seven years ago. He did debut in 2012 at the age of 29, totaled the round in the minor leagues for a while. He was actually originally a draft pick of the Montreal Expos in 03 out of Tennessee Wesleyan College in Tennessee. Uh, Not a big uh, name there, not a big college powerhouse, Tennessee Wesleyan College. Uh, But Henderson did have a couple solid years with the Brewers, Three-five-two ERA in 30 innings in 2012. 1.95 FIP to go along with that. Uh, Really did a good job of limiting the home runs, had a high strikeout rate, and was good in 2013, again, when he was the Brewers' closer. 28 saves in 60 innings, 2.7 ERA. Um, I think that's around the time the Brewers started charging $10 for him at Brewers on Deck.
1: That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah,
0: he, he was one of those guys where uh, $10 and then nobody would really go to him. Right. I always felt bad. I know, I always felt bad for those yeah. players
1: because it was like the Brewers would try to, I don't know, some of the, like the, was, no, not Logan Schaefer, I'm trying to remember who some of those, those Brandon 10, Kinsler, yeah, yeah, right.
0: Yeah, uh, I think Schaefer was $10. He might have been, better, I don't know. So. Um we always
1: felt bad for them because there yeah. was like no one there and if they were free everybody would be going up to him but anyways but, yeah
0: Um Henderson though had a couple solid years and then one more year with the Brewers in 2014 did pitch 44 games actually in 2016 with the Mets and that was the most recent time that he pitched in the major leagues. He ended up retiring a couple of years later in 2018 actually after pitching in the winter leagues a little bit. Um, and then he's now a Brewers minor league pitching coach. He Right now is slated to be the pitching coach of the Timber Rattlers. He was in 2020, uh, but of course that got scrapped. Uh, So we'll see how they realign. Timber Rattlers actually will probably be a high A team this year. We are going to learn a lot more about the relocation of minor league franchises in the next week. Uh, So we'll be able to tell a little bit more of what Jim Henderson's role may be with the Brewers. I know that is the most (laughs) pressing question this (laughs) week. But... (laughs) Kind of cool to see a guy back in the organization like Jim Henderson.
1: Yeah, big big Jim. He did have he did have a good really year or two for the Brewers. He was a lockdown closer during that. Uh, you said that was was that 2013 or 2014? 2013. Yeah, 2013. I mean, he was really solid back there uh, in the bullpen. Um, pretty dependable guy. It is interesting to see how fast relievers can fall off, though. I mean, Henderson, like you said, good in 2012. Very solid closer in 2013, and then before you know it, a poor 2014 out of. Uh, the majors in 2015 and really just kind of fell off the map after that Uh, but Jim Henderson today's random player of the game and before we sign off today again if you remember our trivia question who was the NL starting pitcher for the 2002 all-star game hosted at Miller Park so David who's your guess this
0: one seems like I should know it but I really don't and I'm going to go with Jason Schmidt
1: it's going to be incorrect on that one
0: was it Royals? Well No. My other guys. D-backs,
1: uh, Kurt Schilling oh, really? getting the ball for the uh, the NL All-Stars facing off against uh, Derek Lowe from the Red Sox. Uh, kind of an interesting matchup, of course. That game, as everybody remembers, uh, finished at a 7-7 tie. Also another notable moment in that All-Star game, of course, Torrey Hunter robbing Barry Bonds of that home run. Kind of a, I don't know if I go as far as, say, iconic, but kind of a, just a cool uh, cool uh, highlight or a remembrance from that all-star game um but nonetheless 2002 all-star game starter kurt schilling uh we got david on that one today uh, maybe you got that one and again uh go tweet at brewers podcast um let us know what our next trivia question should be or a ra- good random player of the day we always uh love to cover uh random brewers players of the day as you know so That's all we have today, again, covering the uh, non-tender deadline coming up and looking into who the Brewers have locked up and what the roster really will look like next year. Uh, Thanks for listening, and go Brewers!
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.